Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And my name is Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Alora and Zor-El, otherwise known as Supergirl's mom and dad. Helping us with that is our special guest, Andrew Pinkham from the Kara Zor-El podcast. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Andrew. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, But as always, before we get to our discussion, we have... The News. According to IGN, Glenn Morshauer has been cast as General Sam Lane. His character is described as, quote, a powerful military lifer and an overprotective father to both Lucy Lane and her sister Lois. His arrival in National City stirs up trouble for Supergirl when he enlists her in a dangerous government initiative. I'm like, I, I, I want to not think about the Superwoman angle, but <laughs> e- even just saying that just makes me think Superwoman. I'm like, oh, my God, what else could it be? Yeah, well, it would be awesome to see that. And I am so excited about Glenn Morshauer because this is the first casting news that we've gotten where I'm like, I know that guy. See, I don't know that guy. Yeah, I don't know that guy either. (laughs) I've seen him in stuff. Like, uh, he was great on 24. I think that's maybe what he's most known for. Uh, um, What did he play as a character? He was, uh, I think, oh, God, it's been forever since I watched 24. But I think he was, like, Secret Service. Um, He was was heavily involved with the First Lady, played by Gene Smart, in, like, season four, season five, which was, like, the best time to watch season four. Um, If you only watch, like two seasons of 24 or even just one season of 24 watch season five very good um but yeah he's he's sort of he has a military presence i think so i think he's gonna be really good as sam lane oh this guy ah yes i've seen this guy (laughs) i just did a quick (laughs) just did a quick google search yeah i think this guy could really play the part of general sam lane i think this guy could definitely play the overbearing uh general and overprotective father of both Lucy and Lois. Have they cast Lucy or Lois in this show yet? Lucy has been cast. cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As uh, Jenna Duan Tatum. Tatum. Yeah. Um, no. uh, but there is no Lois as far as we know. I wouldn't expect there to be a Lois um, just because there is no Clark Kent slash Superman. But uh, we definitely have a, Lu- a Lucy Lane. Now, are you girls expecting there to be eventually a Clark Kent and Lois Lane? In this show? 
I am not. No, no. I, w- I would, really. I would love there. I would love there to be one. Um, but I, I, I think if there was going to be a, a Clark and a Lois, it would probably be like season five, six, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> on down the, on down I the mean, road. I would imagine that there probably won't be a Clark. Uh, if they're going to bring anybody on, it's going to be a Lois. If mm-hmm. if Lu- if Lucy's going to be like a regular, and then she gets a visit from her sister, that makes like some sense. But yeah. um, you know, I I doubt that because they they've been very clear about wanting Supergirl to kind of stand on her own, you know, with her own show, doing her own thing in a separate city from Metropolis. So I feel like they're going to keep the world separate. Yeah, and they've talked about how they want to keep Superman kind of in the background and just kind of reference him but never show him completely. So I kind of assumed that they would do the same thing with Lois. Like, I expect there to be a Lois mention when Lucy shows up or when General Lane is around. Um, But I don't know. I would love to see Lois. Like, (laughs) I would love to. But, I yeah, I don't anticipate it, unfortunately. Wouldn't it be amazing for Terry Hatcher just to make an appearance? (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really hoping for that at some point because there is a Dean Cain uh, in this series. And I just saw that Terry Hatcher was going to be doing something on CBS uh, coming up. So I'm hoping, hey, you know, while you're acting on CBS, why don't you come over to National City and play <laughs> with some of those folks? Yeah, so that absolutely. would be very, very cool. Well, um, we got a new video on the Supergirl YouTube channel, the official Supergirl YouTube channel, um, about Supergirl's origin story. And it's a very cool three and a half minute featurette that gives us some new information about Kara and her background and how they're going to kind of play the Kryptonian angle, which is really neat. Um, So some of the stuff that I thought was very interesting. Um, They talked about how Kara's Kryptonian pod, when she's shipped off of Krypton and towards Earth, that her coordinates are interlocked with Kal-El's. So we're getting that same kind of story that we've seen in several different other versions where she is kind of sent after Kal-El to kind of protect him and watch over him because she's the the older one in the story. And uh, what I found was interesting was that her pod gets stuck in the Phantom Zone. So we're going to get a Phantom Zone uh, mention. <laughs> Does yeah. it, anybody have any thoughts about the Phantom Zone? Um, well, it, it was interesting because they said that she got dislodged from the Phantom Zone by a meteor shower. And I'm like, if it's that easy to get out of the Phantom Zone, like like stray space rocks, like I, I don't know. Like I thought the, the Phantom Zone would be a little more difficult to escape than just yeah. like crazy wacky happenstance. But like... <laughs> You know, what are you going to do? She has to get out of there somehow, and rather than dwell on it, they're just going to throw some meteors at it and call it a day. I can live with that. But that did stand out to me in that video as being like, huh, really? Just, like, meteors? Okay. In, like, Superman 2, it took, like, a, a nuclear explosion for, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> for, for, the, for the Phantom Zone to explode. So, I mean, that's a little... That's a little kind of meh as far as I'm concerned, but, you know, I'll go with it. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point, Teresa, because the Phantom Zone is where they house all the Kryptonian criminals. That's right. You you wouldn't want something so easily breachable. Yeah. Um, But but I when they said meteor shower, I was like, oh, that makes me think of Smallville big time. Yeah, Um, I was like, you know. Lana's parents better cover their heads. 
Um, oh so, yeah, so I thought that was really interesting that we got a meteor shower mention. Um, and in this video, we actually got to hear some dialogue from Helen Slater um, talking to young Kara. So I thought that was great because I think previously we had only just gotten glimpses of Helen Slater and Dean Kane. Yeah, so that was neat to see. And um, I thought it was really cool that they mentioned that when Kara arrives on Earth, she, I guess when she's kind of brought into the human uh, culture, she becomes a junior high student in Midvale, California. So that was definitely a comic book reference to her Midvale origins. And I don't know if uh, we know exactly in the comics where Midvale is. I thought it, it stuck out to me that they thought it was in California. It very well could be. I haven't read it in a long time. But I am familiar with their 1959 origins. Not that I'm aware of. It might be in California, but I could be wrong about that. I know that he Midvale is pretty close to Metropolis. And Metropolis is typically somewhere in the Midwest. So, like I said, it could be, it could be anywhere. But I'm guessing it's probably in California, like, like you said. Yeah, and that actually kind of <laughs> reminds me of... There was, I guess... It might have been that first trailer that came out where we saw Helen Slater and Dean Kane in a, like this house near the ocean. And I was like, man, the Danvers are living large. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that would sort of make sense that if Midvale is in California, that sort of explains the ocean and <laughs> the yeah. oceanfront property. And there was a, a little bit that I thought was uh, curious because Kara, when she's talking to Alex, she says that she thinks she can fly, which we've heard before. But um, she says she hasn't done it in years. So I was curious, do you all think we're, we're going to get maybe Akara when she's, you know, flying when she's younger? Do you think she will try it when she first gets to Earth? Yeah, I mean, I actually really liked that. Like that they, because um, uh, it, it got me thinking about the origin stories that we've read um, previously where she, especially in her earliest origins where she has these powers she knows she has these powers she's stuck in midvale and so she's kind of secretly fighting crime so i can kind of imagine like young kara figuring out she can do this sorry kara figuring out <laughs> she can do this and um and trying it when she's a kid because you know 12 and 13 you want you know you realize you can fly you're flying all over the place <laughs> um and then uh probably got reprimanded for it and subsequently stopped and hasn't done it for like over 10 years. Yeah, and there are even some of those versions like the the Jeff Loeb stories stuck out in my mind where she, you know, just kind of happens to float in the air and she's not intentionally yeah. trying to do it. So there may be a situation where Kara's just hanging around at the Danvers and oh all of a sudden she's floating. So yeah. I, I think that is a possibility too. Flying is one of, in in the Superman mythos has always been such a such an easy thing for our our Kryptonian heroine and our and our hero. But you know, it would definitely be cool to see a young Kara fly. And oh, excuse me, it's Kara in this show, not Kara. <laughs> it's it's hard. We screw it up all the time. Yeah, I'm I, I'm so used to calling her Kara because that's what I'm used to calling her. But um, you know, it would I, I think it'd be great to see like a teenage. Kara flying, but being reprimanded by either like Fred or I don't I don't know what I don't know what the mother the, the mother's name is off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna do like the Fred Sylvia. I think Sylvia. Dennis? I hope so. I hope I'm so. Sure. I'm not sure. We I don't think we know their names yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that would be really cool to see a young Kara discovering her powers. 
Definitely. Um, yeah. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I'm actually kind of expecting that now that we're talking about it. Um, and also the cool thing about this featurette uh, was that we got to see more of Alora and Zorel yeah. in, in this and kind of her, them sort of prepping Kara as uh, she's about to get in her pod to be shipped off to Earth. And I remember, Teresa, a while back we talked about the necklace that mm, yes. is around the young Kara's neck. And this this was cool in the featurette that we got to see that Alora does remove her necklace from around her neck and put it on Kara. So I, I think there's going to be something special with that necklace, but I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it might have some connection to because in in the featurette we see adult Kara getting this message from her mother, and I feel like it might have something to do with the necklace. Like maybe it works in the same way as you know the Fortress of Solitude works, or like Sunstone. Maybe it's a uh, some kind of stone that allows her to have this contact and has you know information stored on it about Krypton. I think that's a, a definite possibility. It's either like the actual communication device or like a key to opening something. Right. I I definitely think that's very possible. No, I I would agree with you both. You know, I mean, I know as far as like Smallville goes, I mean, they had a clip back in late, like late season, either eight or nine where we actually, or it might've been even 10 where we get a a picture of like uh, Jor-El and Lara actually in like video form. So it's a very possible that, that, that necklace holds some sort of key to Kara's past. And I lo- yeah, I really just love their uh, what they've shown us so far of their relationship. Well, speaking of their relationship, uh, we could get right into our discussion of, of the characters of uh, Kara Zorel's parents. And we will start with uh, her mother, Alora. Here's what we know about the version that they're going to be doing on CBS so far. Uh, first of all, she's being played by Laura Benanti, whom I loved on Nashville and uh, <laughs> and some other stuff. And uh, I think she's going to be great in this part. Um, Deadline.com described her as, quote, a strong, noble woman. Alora sends Kara to Earth to escape Krypton's destruction. Her wisdom and guidance echoes across space and time, proving invaluable on Kara's journey toward becoming Supergirl, end quote. Um, yeah, so, I mean, what do you two think about uh, Laura Benanti so far in what we've seen in this footage? For me, I think she was a good choice. I mean, I think any actress probably would have fit the bill. I mean, I don't know Laura Benanti to, to save my life. I've not seen anything that she's played in. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think she's a very good fit. But, you know, I, I think she was a good choice as, as far as that goes. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about her. And I think this new featurette that we got uh, about her, uh, Supergirl's origin made me even more excited for her because she seems to have a real wisdom to her. Mm-hmm. And a uh, real comforting factor because even in that little clip that we see of Kara listening to this, you know, some some sort of communication device showing her mother, it looked like Kara was really drawn to her. And it was kind of sad to see. Oh, she was crying. Yeah. It was like, oh, poor thing. So so I, I, I get the sense that there is uh, a comforting factor for Kara to see her mother. Of, of course, it, you know, it, you know, I, I lost my 
father in 2006. And if I had, you know, things to remind me of him, you know, it would be emotional for me. And so I, I think it's, it's a good emotional thing to connect both of them together. And I, I actually was laughing because, Andrew, you said you hadn't seen Lara Benanti in anything. And I think the only thing that I've seen her in previously was the live version of The Sound of Music that was on NBC a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that, that horror show. Really? Uh, I, I didn't hear bad things about that. <laughs> well, I, I'll say it was not up to par of, you know, the Julie Andrews version. Well, That's let's what, let's be honest here. No one can really top Julie Andrews anything. This is yes, true. true. <laughs> this is true. So I have, I have high standards for my Sound of Music. But uh, the real standout for that for me, it was Laura Benanti in that production because she played the Baroness, I believe. Mm. And the Baroness is like this character you love to hate. Right. And um, she was very good. Of course, she sang and, and did all of that. But um, I, I came away with that thinking, oh, she's a really good actress. So, yeah. um, so I'm really excited about her because she seems to have wisdom. She seems to have a real screen presence. And she seems like she is going to connect with... Uh, Melissa Benoist in, in a way that even if maybe she's not uh, alive in the room with her, um, she'll still kind of have an emotional connection. So I'm really excited about her. Now I'm yeah. wondering, uh, I'm wondering ladies, whether or not we will see actually more of Alora in, in this show than just the pilot, because as we all know, I mean, she and Zarel died on Krypton. So I wonder yeah. if we're actually going to see more of, of them in like, like flashbacks or, or anything like that. Well, I mean, the, the description kind of makes it sound that way. Um, I, like uh, her wisdom echoes across space and time. Um, and I feel like she'll constantly be going to those images of her mother for advice. So, you know, I feel like it'll work kind of the same way for her that Superman's parents kind of do for him or, or his father specifically. Right. But actually what I loved about uh, just the, the brief glimpse that we've seen too, and, and this is partially the performance and partially, uh, you know, just the writing of it is that uh, Allura in this version seems to be very, um, like she wants to give her daughter strength. Because um, we've certainly seen the versions of Supergirl's origin where her parents are so sad that she's gone and they're so like worried about her and they're so fearful and like, you know, they believe that she's the hope and future of Krypton, but they're also kind of, you know, afraid. And in this version, it just seems very like, Girl, you got this. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> like true. that's the vibe that I got from Alora in in this uh, thing. Said, of course, more elegantly and and beautifully because I am not nearly as elegant as Laura is. But um, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, no, and I and I love that. I love that she kind of um, she is providing that comfort, as you said, uh, Rebecca. But she's also letting Kara know that she's strong enough to do this. And that, that she believes that and um, has faith in her. So I think that's also a, an important message, too, is that even Kara can believe in herself because she knows that, among other things, her mother believes in her, too. Oh, absolutely. And that's such a stark contrast to some of the versions of Allura that we've read, <laughs> where she is kind of mean and distant and cold yeah. And, uh, somebody maybe you wouldn't want to be around. Totally. Well, now let's, uh, you know, talk about the, uh, you know, some other versions of her that we've seen, like in the comics and stuff. She was created by, of course, Otto Binder and Al Plastino um, and first appeared in Action Comics number 252. Now, I know you wanted to uh, bring up 
um, one of the different adaptations, Rebecca, um, with Super Friends. Yeah, I was doing some research about Alora, and I happened to, and I don't even know how it happened with a Google search, but <laughs> the Super Friends wiki came up, and <laughs> it said that Alora was featured on one of the episodes of Super Friends called the Krypton Syndrome, and it, it's this, it's actually kind of a sophisticated episode of Super Friends, but it's kind of in its Super Friendsy way, where like logic doesn't really make any sense. But um, so Superman goes through this black hole um, and he gets there before Krypton explodes and he tries to save Krypton. And when he does, he creates this like alternate timeline that's without Superman. And so then he goes back and he fixes it so that Krypton does explode, which is kind of weird. It's like Superman (laughs) kind of killed his entire race. Um, But but uh, so I I watched the episode. It was an enjoyable little watch. But uh there was no mention of Alora in there. And it's weird that the Super Friends wiki says that she's in there, that, that she's identified as Zorel's wife and that she's a native of Argo City, but she's not in the credits. Um, there's nobody who references, like they don't say her name. So I was like, come on, Super Friends wiki. Y'all get it, get it together. I don't know where you know? you're getting that information <laughs> from. Can, so can, can I make a quick confession? I have never seen an episode of the Super Friends that's okay. Me either. High five. <laughs> I'm I, glad I'm not the only one here. <laughs> you are not. And let me tell you, like, from what I hear about the Super Friends, it varies as to whether or not I should watch Super Friends. Right. <laughs> uh, depending, on, depending on who you ask. So maybe yeah. anyone listening can tell us, you know, is Super Friends worth watching? <laughs> should we I, stay away? I think if you want something really quirky and silly – um, campy, yeah. and campy, I think that's, I mean, they're just, they're kind of old school, fun cartoons. They're, I mean, they're not like what we see today from some of the animated stuff for sure. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I was, I was, I thought it was going to be something really, really silly. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing like time travel and stuff in this, this oh, short yeah. little I mean, episode. So I was back, surprised by it. Well, back in the silver age, time travel was a big thing. I mean, apparently Superman and Supergirl can fly faster than time and go back in time <laughs> of and stuff. They can. Oh my gosh, it was so silly. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun. It's a Silver Age. So, I mean, you can't take those stories too seriously. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I mean, just the style of animation and, and stuff of uh, the Star Trek animated series, which is also completely ridiculous, but. Um, worth watching in its own way because it's like you they tell surprisingly mature stories for what it is, you know? Um, going on with um, a little bit more about Allura, in Superman the Animated Series, uh, she was voiced by Carolyn Seymour, and she was called uh, Kala Inze instead of Allura Inze. So name change, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if, anybody, if either of you have any insights into that. I'm... Um, guessing probably because they didn't have the rights for the actual character um i didn't i i wouldn't know why they wouldn't be but if if either of you remember kara wasn't actually superman's cousin in that show she was just some lost little girl right named kara found on like some asteroid from Argo City. Well, and as we know, uh, in Supergirl the movie, which we also talked about on uh, this podcast, she was played by Mia Farrow. Um, <laughs> which is such it, a good get. 
(laughs) (laughs) They were so lucky. Um, Well, it's like they had, you know, it's amazing the cast in that movie. I mean, you have Mia Farrow, you have um, Faye Dunaway, like these people, uh, you know, um, Peter. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on his name? I'm blinking on it, too. Oh, my God. I. Okay. I can't. I can't help either of the ladies out. Oh, Peter O'Toole. Yes. Oh my God. I'm. I'm <laughs> if you hadn't that. mentioned it, I would have been able to remember. I was like, and I was, it. and I was determined. I had my fingers over the keyboard. I was determined to remember without typing into Google, <laughs> and I and, did it, and I'm proud of myself. Very and good. you probably would have been chastised by your listeners, Teresa, <laughs> yes. for not for not remembering that name. <laughs> I know. He's only, you know, one of the biggest actors in all of, like, acting, but whatever. Right. One of the all-time greats. Um, Lawrence of Arabia, what's that? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, on Smallville, um, Alora isn't really around, uh, Kara usually connects more to Lara instead. Which is really fascinating because they, of course, had this whole uh, situation that happened where Zorel and Lara kind of show up as these, like, technological versions of themselves. And they don't yes. really mention Alora, uh, which I found very odd. I guess it was more because Zorel was being really creepy <laughs> with, yeah, with Lara. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was really, um, it was an interesting choice that they didn't even mention Kara's mother on that show. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll I'll, I'll save what I have to say about Zorel for when we get to him uh, as far as Smallville <laughs> goes. <laughs> oh, there's opinions. I love it. Let's move um, on, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just real quick then, uh, we've got, um, she ap- appeared in uh, Superman Unbound as well, and she was voiced by Serena Irwin in that. And uh, she was, you know, obviously the, the meaner version of, uh, of Allura that we were talking about earlier um, has appeared in comics. Um, she was in Sterling Gates's Supergirl run, in New Krypton, and War of the Supermen. Um, Actually, that run is probably one of my favorites in all of, all of Supergirl comics. That's when I, yeah, um, like the, like the Sterling Gates, Jamal Igle, New Krypton. That's actually when I, that's when I started reading comics back in like 2009 Mm because I hopped right on in the midst of Codename Patriot and that's when I really started. So, I mean, I'm very familiar with that part of Supergirl's history and Alora, you're right. She, I mean, she's an absolute witch in that series. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, I think she, I mean, she got almost killed and Zorel did get killed. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I'd be cranky too if someone tried to knock me <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was really the interesting part about that was uh, in our, for those of you listeners who missed it, we did do an interview with Sterling Gates a while back. You should look that up if you haven't uh, listened to it already. But he did bring up the fact that a lot of that was inspired by, you know, uh, the loss he'd experienced in his family and what that does to his relationship with his other parent, you know, like, and how, you know, and he wanted to be true to that and not like sugarcoat it or make it like this lovey dovey relationship when it wasn't that. Um, cause yeah, you lose, you know, uh, Cara l- lost her father, but Allura lost her husband. Right. So it's like, that's, that's a difficult thing. And you're not exactly going to be the most nice person ever once something like that happens. Yeah. And if you all recall, Supergirl blames herself for the death of Zorel. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I I can't imagine. 
And I'm sure Alora kind of blames her as well. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of tension between the two of them. Yeah, totally. Andrew, I had a question because uh, uh, you guys on the, the Carazorel podcast, y'all talk about the New 52 a lot. Yes, we do. Um, That's It's actually the predominant what we cover over over at the Carazorel podcast is the New 52. Right. Um, so do you have any thoughts on, like, is, Al- is Alora really prevalent in the New 52? Like, what what happens with um, her? Not, not as much. We see we we see Alora a lot in like flashbacks, and we've and and that's what we're predominantly see. We see Alora getting really ticked off at Zarel for some testing that Zarel did on Kara. So I mean, we see her as a very overprotective mother. We see her as a very caring individual. So I mean, nothing like the like the Sterling Gates Supergirl run when she's always pissed off. I mean. In the New Fifty Two, she actually shoots Zarel. So what? Yeah. <laughs> so wow. Yeah. I need to because get caught of, up on that. Because of all the testing that that uh, Zarel did, it, I mean, it all happened in like uh, time travel plays an element in in this run as well in the New Fifty Two. So it's interesting. That is that is definitely an interesting development that she would actually shoot, and and I assume that. He is her husband in that story. Oh yes, so, very much so. so yeah. She's shooting her husband there. Well, Z- Zarel is very much the mad scientist type right. in the New Fifty Two. So, and so, all, yeah, all, he, he might all deserve all, a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'll explain more when once we get to the Zarel part because there's yeah. a there's a definite development in uh, in that part of it. Well, just, uh, I mean, to wrap up Alora, I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed the complexity of Alora in the Sterling Gates run. Um, and I, you know, I, I found that kind of easier to believe. I mean, even though I didn't particularly like her, but um, I, I found it kind of easier to believe. And it was a more interesting mother-daughter dynamic to me than the, like, you know, uh, ethereal kind of noble Alora that we do tend to get. Um, but I mean, I wanted to ask you two, what are, you know, your favorite stories with Laura or, or moments with her that you particularly enjoyed? I would echo your, your comments about the Sterling Gates run, even though she was unlikable. It was, uh, it was kind of an interesting choice that she was almost like a foil for Kara, uh, or Kara in a way that she was someone who she, you know, Supergirl would butt heads with on occasion. Mm. So I, I think that was an interesting dynamic that, you know, her mother would be someone who was challenging her and kind of putting things in her way to kind of overcome. So, yeah, I think that one is probably the most nuanced and complicated version of Laura that I've seen. Mm. Yeah, probably my favorite version of Alora is in the New 52. I mean, for crying out loud, she shoots Zarel. So, I mean, that's <laughs> that that, gi- that 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 gives her some points in my book. I mean, to, to have the guts to actually shoot shoot someone that you love you know not many people could say that they did that (laughs) (laughs) well now i'm intrigued to learn more about that um that situation so let's let's uh switch gears and talk about zorel now um so uh let's let's kind of go back over the cbs version so what we know about zorel in the show is that according to imdb.com he's being played by actor robert grant 
who I'm not familiar with, but apparently he was on The Young and the Restless, and I didn't know it. So, uh, uh, which, you know, I should have seen him. I'm sure I did. <laughs> I was uh, like, you're, 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 you're slacking on your soaps. I love my soaps, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I hate, hate myself for not knowing who he was. Um, but he's played by uh, an actor named Robert Grant. And uh, the Zorro character was created by Otto Bender and Al Palastino, uh, just like Alora, and first appeared in Action Comics number 252, like Alora. And uh, he has some differing adaptations in the comics. And so let's take a minute <laughs> to talk about the New 52 version, Andrew, because from the little, <laughs> the, from the little research that I had done, and I, I haven't read all of the New 52 Supergirl, um, but I noticed that Zorel is Cyborg Superman. Can you explain uh, some of that? Oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious. This is probably the worst adaptation of Zorel I have ever read in my life. Okay. <laughs> Cyborg Superman debuted back in the, in the mid to late 90s as his name is Hank Henshaw and. He was a guy who, who hated Superman, and but and he wanted to be his rival. So he got cyborg implants, and became a one of the four Supermen. That when the death and return of Superman happened, he was one of the four Supermen. Right. But um, Zarella cyborg Superman is just a terrible idea, and the story beat that the the, the writers did. Was was terrible. He got infused by Brainiac, and eventually turned. He turned completely normal again, but only ab- after absorbing Kara all the way, which mm-hmm. is kind of which is kind of weird. But like after absorbing her, like like yeah, absorbing like, her powers, or no, absorbing-, absorbing her entire like being into himself. <laughs> Whoa! Completely weird. Yeah completely weird so and he make and he makes an appearance later later on in the series it's just not good <laughs> it's terrible and Dan, and danny and i have chastised the, the the writing team about how terrible cyborg superman is because he's just not a great character I was really intrigued about the Cyborg Superman thing because of the Hank Henshaw connection because yeah. on the CBS series, we are actually going to get a Hank Henshaw. Yes, so, we are. So I'm curious to see it, how the Cyborg Superman will play out on the show, knowing what we know about this Zorel business. Let's just say I'm happy that they've gone that route and not the Cyborg Superman <laughs> from 1952. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. It's good are to you- Good Teresa, are you familiar with the Cyborg Superman situation for the New Fifty Two? Because you no. said you've read some of it. I, well, we, the only thing uh, New Fifty Two that we've read, um, as far as you know, the Superman and and Supergirl was the uh, her origin, like her her start. Oh, in okay. So okay. <laughs> uh, I haven't read past that. So like, yeah, that the the only Supergirl that I've read in New Fifty Two was her introduction. Okay. Um, and I know that Rebecca and I had differing opinions on that. I happen to really like it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I, so I wanted to you know read a little more, but. Um, uh yeah, this just sounds in- insane and kind yeah, of yeah, it ridiculous, is. But <laughs> it's it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, the the new fifty two. I mean, I'm just going to give my brief synopsis on the new fifty two. I was not in favor of the new fifty two when it first started because I'm an old I'm I'm an old school comic fan. I don't like the fact that they rebooted Detective in Action 
two of the most iconic titles in comic book history. I mean, they started all the way back in the 1930s. But, you know, when Supergirl was first relaunched, I mean, I was I, I was in favor of it. It was good for the first, like, year, year to almost two. And then it started petering off. So, I mean... I'd be patient with it if 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 you're gonna read it. There are some storylines that aren't so good. Here's looking at you, Hell on Earth crossover. Um, <laughs> that was that was particularly bad, and it crossed over all the all the Superman titles, including Superboy. It didn't dive into action, but Superman, Superboy, and Supergirl all crossed over. So, and it was not a very good storyline. So, I mean, if you're reading, I would highly, highly suggest listening to our show as well, because it's quite entertaining as a companion piece. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually listened to some of y'all's podcasts, and uh, you taught me a little bit about the New 52 with the Red Lantern stuff, I, I believe. Ah, uh, yes. So I, I've listened to some of that, so that's very okay. intriguing. So I'm definitely yep. uh, going to check out this Cyborg Superman business, because I'm really yeah. curious about that. It's yeah. it's rather interesting, ladies. Let, let, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, uh, listeners, check out the Kara Zarel podcast if you have any new 52 questions because they are covering it. Um, well, I'd like the Super Friends m- mistake, I consider it a mistake because I don't know where <laughs> they get this thing with the Krypton syndrome. So uh, like Alora Zorel, um, uh, according to the Super Friends wiki, is in that episode, but I don't think that's right. So we're not going to even count it. Um, but in Supergirl, the movie, Zorel makes an appearance. Uh, he's played by Simon Ward. And uh, on Smallville, he does make, uh, I think it's two episodes. Uh, I think it's Laura and Blue are the two episodes that he appears in. You uh, are right, Rebecca. It he's, is. He's played by Christopher Heyerdahl, if, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, and Zorel is a really. Um, multifaceted character i think on smallville and i am interested to hear your opinions on him andrew because (laughs) there there are parts where like he he seems to really love kara and he seems to be a good father but you know as you go throughout those episodes you find out that he's hiding some things and kara doesn't know the whole story and he's doing a lot of experiments and he has a lot of secrets and i i think it's cool that uh, over the different adaptations we see that Zorel is a is, is a science guy, and he does a lot of experiments, and so that seems to be part of his character. Smallville is, was one of my gateways into liking the character of Superman in the first place. So, I mean, and when Supergirl came on in, in season seven, I was thrilled because I had just started getting in, into the character of Supergirl, and Laura, and I thought Laura, Laura Vandervoort did a fantastic job. Oh yeah, it was. Very intriguing when they brought Zorel in because Zorel and Jorel were brothers who had a really deep, deep bond between them and loved each other deeply and had a like not a rivalry, but like a and not and not really one upsmanship. But I mean, I think they worked well together and they tried to do the betterment for Krypton. So, I mean, to have. To have them hate each other in Smallville was a was a huge change for me. I mean, you can de- definitely hear the disdain in Terrence Stamp's voice when he talks about <laughs> his brother and and about Kara because Jarrell was not in favor of Clark having anything to do with Kara at all. 
But, you know, I mean, and his relationship with with Lara was it made me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good let's word for it. Really that. creepy. It was <laughs> yeah, it really was. Oh, it was terrible. But, you know, I mean, kal wins the day, as always. The actor, Christopher Heyerdahl on Smallville, was very good. He did I an thought, incredible I, job. I, th- yeah. I thought he did really well with what he was given. But, yeah, the the, the familial relationship between Jor-El and Zor-El was definitely like, I mean, Zor-El tried to kill his brother. <laughs> so there's some some uh, deep hatred, I think, on uh, the part of the Jor-El AI. Have you ladies seen all 10 seasons? I no. saw most of them. Um, there were some episodes here or there that I n- did not watch, um, but I did stick around for most of them. Did you see the... Um Tenths, did you see the tenth season episode four called Supergirl? Yes, yeah. we did we watch that, that for the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually one of my favorite episodes of, of the entire series. But that that episode and probably the finale are my probably my two favorite episodes in that in that last season. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah I think we both Teresa and I think I think we both liked Laura Vandewort a lot. Yeah, as, definitely. As yeah. Yeah. No, and uh, and despite you know the show kind of you know you know goes back and forth between having some solid stuff going on and having some not so solid stuff going on, um, but Laura Vandervoort's performance was never a problem like yeah. that. Yeah. She she was just consistent all the way through and um, and really brought a lot of um, like pathos and like real deep emotional stuff to to the part that you know any other actor might have just been like oh it's a you know comic book show whatever but like she really brought it so it was cool right yeah that's what made me sad about the writer's strike back in season seven is they had to cut that season short and they had to wrap up her storyline super quickly so i would have liked to see a few more episodes with kara in them in season seven but unfortunately we never got that yeah, and, and since we're talking about Laura Vandevoort's performance, um, the the episode, I think it's the Laura episode, where they show Kara with Zorel on Krypton as it's kind of you yep. know, being destroyed and, and she's about to be uh, shipped off in, in her spaceship pod thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's very emotional there because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where she's having to let go of her family and everything that she knows. And I, I think it's cool that we're getting to see those elements from Laura Vandevoort and Melissa Benoist that we're, we're getting to see that emotional cause, cause one of the things that I think is so cool about Supergirl is that she, she lived on Krypton. She had family there. And then when yeah. it, when it exploded that, you know, that took away everything that she knew and everything she had. And uh, I think that that connects me so much with the Supergirl character. And so it's, it's cool to see that in throughout different variations with different actresses. So it's, it's cool that we're getting some really strong actresses to, to pull that off. Yeah. I'll be yeah. interested to see if Laura makes an appearance on this new show. I was just not. about to say that like that. <laughs> I would love to see her on this yeah. somehow. They've got to reach out to her. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have seen, but all, all the Supergirls seem to tweet at each other a little bit. So that's, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's pretty neat. Um, and so just to wrap up uh, the, the other, screen interpretation of Zor-El. Um, he was voiced by Stephen Root in Superman Unbound, 
which is a very good Superman, Supergirl movie. Yes, um, and we talked about that here on Supergirl Radio. Um, so do either of you all have uh, a particular favorite Zor-El, uh, whether it be in the comics or in the animation or any of the live action variations? Well, I think the most infamous is going to be the Cyborg Superman for a few years to come, oh, um, as far as that goes, because it's just so terrible. But um, I think my favorite is gonna is gonna be Smallville. That's probably my my favorite iteration of Zor-El. Even though it's not, even though it's not the best, I I still think it's I, I still think it has its merits. What about yes. you, Teresa? Um. Honestly, I, I, <laughs> it's so funny because he's so central to so many things, but I really could care less about him as a character either way. <laughs> um, I, you know, I really just, I, I'm not interested. Um, and there it's, we go. You know, Fair hey, enough. <laughs> it, it provides, you know, it provides, you know, uh, Supergirl a lot of her motivation and stuff. But honestly, as a character, um, I'm more interested in Allura to begin with. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. No, I, <laughs> sorry, Zarel, you bore me. Um, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a fair opinion because we haven't seen a whole lot of him in some of these stories. I, I think the Smallville one sticks out to me the most just because he had so much character stuff in just two episodes. Yeah. Um, but what stuck out to me with the Sterling Gates run is and and contrasting that with the Supergirl series on CBS is that in the in the comics in Sterling Gates's comics you have Alora who is so she's a little more distant and then Zor-El I thought in the in that story he was the one that Kara kind of connected more with and yeah. so when he died when he was murdered that affected her very deeply. And mm. so I think that's a, a flip to kind of what we're seeing with the CBS version is that Alora is the the more, uh, she's the warmer parent that Kara is emotionally attached to that we can tell so far from what we've seen. It, right. could, it could totally be revealed that she has a really great relationship with Zor-El on, on the CBS series. But I, I just think that's interesting that it's not always one parent over the other that she's kind of closest to. It's all, it, it can vary depending on the story. And also, I'm sure, depending on the age, too. Because, like, when we saw um, her relationship with Alora, for example, in the Sterling Gates run she's like a, an older teenager you right. know at that point and like and that's a point where even if if they hadn't had tragedy and stuff like usually when you get to be a teenager and you're a girl you start to have issues with your mom because that's because <laughs> that's how it works um and so you know they they would have probably had friction anyway and yeah like I just know for me you know I've I've always been you know I was always a daddy's girl um, but there were times when I was definitely as I got older certainly closer to my mom like once you need kind of that like a specific like motherly guidance that your dad just, you know, can't provide, like right. your mom is there for you. And so, yeah, it's interesting to see like the different points in, Ka in Kara's life uh, and, and when, which parents will matter more to her, you know? That's an excellent point. Um, well, I mean, I think that about wraps up our discussion of Supergirl's parents, Alora and Zorel. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to seeing more of them on the new CBS Supergirl show. But for right now, let's get into our listener feedback. We got an email from a listener named Scanner51 who writes, quote, 
I really enjoyed your talk about the new 52 Supergirl. I will admit she is my second favorite version of her in the books, just behind the Loeb Churchill run from 05. I also enjoyed your talk about her new 52 costume. (laughs) Personally, I really like it. I think it narrowly beats out the 05 costume. I was wondering if you ladies were ever able to see her new 52 Earth 2 costume, unquote. Um, hmm. And actually, not until you emailed us that, Scanner 51, had I, I had not seen it. And, um, oh, really? It, yeah. And it's yeah. it's a definite improvement, especially on the boots. I know <laughs> Teresa and I both hate the new 52 <laughs> boots. Boots are so stupid. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, this, this Earth 2 costume definitely improved on the boots for sure. Yeah. Now, let me ask you ladies a question. Are you a fan of Power Girl at all? I've, I've only read very little of her, but I do like her a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. I used to not be, but some of the stories that we have read for Supergirl Radio has, has piqued my interest to wanting to know more about her. Yeah, I would highly recommend anything from her early her early run in like the JSA in all-star comics. Um, her 2009 run is also phenomenal. Um, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiani do an amazing job, um, on that, on that series. I know you guys are fans of Harley Quinn and I know they're writing, I know they're writing that title right now. Oh yeah. And they're writing a, um, an awesome, like, uh, limited series too with Harley Quinn and Power Girl. I'm actually reading that now as well. Um, and that's kind of amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's what um, I hear. Harley Quinn convincing Power Girl that uh, they should fight crime together because they'd be <laughs> great partners. Yeah, um, that's <laughs> But um, looking at the costume, the Earth, the New 52 Earth 2 costume, I mean, it's, it's certainly an improvement from the New 52 as far as the, the boots and the, like, crotch arrow. But um, I'm not digging the full, like, coverage on the gloves yeah, I'm right there. That, with that's you. it. Seems a bit like like surgical gloves. I don't know. It looks weird. Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense to me why she would have like the sleeve be different from the hands. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, but also the uh, the S shield too is very like indistinguishable. Like you can't really tell that's an S because the middle is so wide. It almost mm-hmm. looks like it's it's going to cover the whole that whole shape. And I'm like, well, why bother having an S shield if you're not going to see the S on it? Yeah. Well, if I don't know if you guys are fans of, of actual Superman or not, but it's very similar to the man of the actual man of steel S shield in the actual movie. I could see that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess the, um, the, the redness on the S shield in this earth Two costume, I think is what's causing me, issues is it gotcha. it, it just seems to take up too much of the yep. s i think um but i it's understandable I, I uh i definitely think the uh the colors are very nice uh i'm not i'm not super crazy about some of these like um costumes that just kind of look like a bathing suit kind of a deal um but yes. that i guess that's the nature of comics uh for the most part but uh but yeah i i like the cape and uh and the boots for this earth 2 version so well, it's definitely yeah. a step up from the new 52. One thing I wanted to mention really quickly is um, this Earth 2 costume you you see in um, Earth 2 and World's Finest in kind of the running gag because the Earth 2 version of Supergirl, her name is Karen Starr. Mm-hmm. And um, the running gag in, in World's Finest is her costume's always getting torn up. 
un- until until she gets her Power Girl costume in the new Fifty Supergirl title, which I find kind of interesting. But yeah, <laughs> that's good information to know. Well, uh, moving on with our uh, listener feedback, we had Stephen writing in, uh, and he asked us. Do you think the premiere date for Supergirl will be a good start for the series? Supergirl is the last new show to start in the fall, and all the other new shows will be halfway through their seasons. Also, by the time Christmas comes along, a lot of the networks uh, put their shows on hold till the new year, and Supergirl will only get about half its first season done and may not show more episodes until January. Will this hurt the series to find and keep its audience? Um... Now, Rebecca, I know you had a really good point about uh, Once Upon a Time. Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, this is normal. This is this is what networks do. A lot of shows premiere in October, um, and, and Stephen is right. They will not normally air new episodes in December and generally will come back in January. That's just kind of the nature of the broadcast schedule. So I don't think there's anything super unusual about what they're doing with Supergirl. Yeah. Um, and what I what I remember uh, from when, like, Once Upon a Time on ABC premiered, it premiered on October 23rd, which is very close to the October 26th premiere date for Supergirl. And that was back in 2011. And it, it opened to boffo huge numbers. So this is not unheard of for a show to premiere in late October and do really, really well. Um, of course, of course, over time, once upon a time's numbers have gone down. Uh, they're, I think they're starting their fifth season now, but that's just the nature of television. You're going to start off pretty big and then eventually find your loyal audience. But, uh, but I don't think it's going to be a problem for Supergirl. I think it's, I, I'm more concerned about the whole, you know, the switch in the first and second week of the time slot, um, just so that people will know when when to turn their tv on but i mean with the nature of dvr and uh people setting their recordings i I don't think that's really going to be that much of an issue so i'm not worried about it at all exactly i mean i feel like you know whenever these questions come up i am such a like you know broadcast television and the way that we're wired to watch stuff is is no longer how people watch stuff you know like like it won't be long before like stuff like premiere dates and and time slots and things like that won't matter. Like they still do to a certain extent because of advertising, as I think we've talked about a couple of times before on, on this podcast. But like, you know, I, I am less concerned about things like that than I ever have been because um, with the advertising, certainly that they're putting into it, the marketing, like Supergirl is starting to be all over the place. And I'm, you know, uh, I live in LA and I'm seeing, you know, the, the billboards and she's on the sides of buses and <laughs> yeah. she's, she's at the like bus stops and like, I'm seeing it everywhere. Um, you know, the ads are popping up on, on, on TV on, you know, everywhere that ads would pop up. So, um, and then as we've talked about here before too, the, the stars and the writers have been great about social media. So they're kind of all over the place online and on YouTube. So I feel like the people who, who are the audience for Supergirl are going to know about her and they're going to find her well before the show even starts. And they're going to be waiting to, for the show to start. Um, cause they're doing a great job at, uh, letting people know that it's coming. So they're not going to have to like find her. Like they'll, they'll already know. And I think that uh, so far the response just to the the marketing that they've done and the the outreach that the cast has done, like that Supergirl walking around with Girl Scouts with a puppy photo is <laughs> everywhere. People yes. love that photo. They love seeing Supergirl with Girl Scouts and puppies. And 
you know, who, who wouldn't, right? So like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's super adorable is what it is. And, uh, so I feel like, you know, people are already excited about the show and I'm not concerned with, uh, with that, but also, yeah, I mean, lots of shows are not debuting until October, you know, or the end of October, like Supergirl might be the very last one, but she's certainly not the only one in that time frame. you know, like uh, here's looking at you, Flash and Arrow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And and, you know, it's it's uh, and then they're tra- probably trying to keep the family all together. But yes, yeah, so I wouldn't be worried. Yeah. So I, I don't think anybody's really worried about it, Stephen, but that's a good question to bring up. Yeah, I know. Thank you for that. And our last bit of feedback comes from our friend Ange, who wrote, uh, quote, great episode discussing Far From Home. I am surprised that no mention was made of the absolute homage of the Crisis Number 7 cover in the fight scene. Given the whole she doesn't come back concept of the story, this played into the, oh my God, she died worry I had and uh, yeah. and Ange it's it's unfortunate sometimes with the way podcasting works we can't like get to everything when we're like having a conversation but yeah you're right that's it's definitely an homage uh, to crisis and Supergirl's death and it's actually a really cool shot and uh, it's it's a way to kind of trick the audience into thinking that Supergirl doesn't come back because she died so yeah that's a cool part of that episode definitely yeah, most definitely. It's probably one of my favorite Supergirl episodes of JLU. It's a great ending to her run on the animated uh, in the in the DCAU and uh, for where she goes and and how she kind of makes her choices. It's it's a very good ending for her. Um, and Ange goes on to write. Quote, as for Fallen Angel, yes, it is never confirmed or denied that the DC comic character Lee is Linda Danvers, but it reads as that. And if we pumped Peter David with true serum, I am sure he would say it was. (laughs) Once the book went to IDW, he did show us the character's origin, which had only been hinted at in the DC version, and made her a true fallen angel. But I think he knew that there were fans who loved the character as the progression of the Linda character, and so he did a couple of issues with Lynn. As for the Legion, it is my second favorite property after Supergirl, and there's a lot out there to love. Might I suggest the three-boot Legion as a place to start, written by Mark Wade and drawn by Barry Kitson. This was a reboot, so it would be an easy place to start and get your feet wet in the mythos. Plus, as a bonus, Supergirl joins in the second year. So oh, awesome. that's a great recommendations, Ange, and uh, thanks for sharing that history. Yeah, definitely. And, and the recommendations are always great because I'm always looking for new stuff to read. So thank you for that. Um, And Annika wrote in asking a very important question. Um, She wanted to know, when will the Supergirl TV show come out in Australia? Um, And now, according to Variety.com, Australia's Fox 8 channel will premiere Supergirl on December 6th. So they'll have to wait a couple of months after we get it here. Um, which I, again, with the, with the TV, you know, I really wish they'd wise up and do the BBC, BBC America thing and just Mm -hmm. have it all at once. Like, let's get over this whole time zones and regions and crappity crap, crap, crap. And, uh, just watch it all at the same time so we can get on the internet and talk about it because the internet makes, you know, borders and time zones irrelevant and we all need to get on that train. Yeah, um, I think I'm I'm right there with you, Teresa, because my co-host for my Superman Family podcast show, he's actually from the UK, 
and he's always behind when it comes to TV. So I feel yeah. bad every time because, I mean, I don't want to spoil stuff. But at the same time, I want to talk to him about stuff that's, <laughs> yeah. that's aired yeah. and I can't because he hasn't watched it yet. So that's kind of annoying. And I feel bad, a- Annika, that uh, you you live in a region that you can't get Supergirl until December. That really sucks. Yeah. That's, that's my, a significant weight. My yeah. condolences. <laughs> But she'll be all right. She'll pull through the way Supergirl does, and yeah. <laughs> and 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 I'm sure she'll enjoy it when she gets it. Just you know, stay off the uh, the geek internet, yeah. you know, sites stay off until Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> until uh, yeah, stay off the Supergirl hashtag. Um, stay off, you know, all that. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for writing in as well. Yeah, thank you all for that feedback, and thank you, Andrew, for joining us to talk about Allura and Zorel for this episode. Uh, how can listeners find you and the Kara Zorel podcast on the internet? Well, it was my pleasure for joining you, lovely ladies. It, this was a blast. Um, you can find the Kara Zorel podcast at uh, supergirlhomepage.net. That's where you can find Danny and I do all our stuff as well as through iTunes. But um, I actually talk my own Supergirl show at kldpodcast.wordpress.com. I'm going to be covering, I'm going to be back on that show very, very soon. I've taken a hiatus because I'm getting married and I've been very, very busy. <laughs> oh, yay. Well, congratulations. So, yes. Well, it's a good reason. <laughs> thank you very much. But, uh, yeah, so my podcasting will be coming back rapidly now that the fall has arrived. So <laughs> That is awesome. Well, yes, indeed. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And, of course, we're available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. Um, now, as for me, you can always find me at the Mary Sue, uh, which is the Mary Um As for the Teresa Giacino experience, uh, there's going to be some changes this week. Um, first of all, uh, I am launching a, uh, a new podcast, uh, which is basically an extension of my blog. It's storytelling. It's opinion. It's me being all up in your face about all sorts of stuff. Um, <laughs> And it's the uh, Teresa Giacino Experience podcast, um, which you'll be able to get on my blog. And the blog address, I finally have my own domain, like nice. a, like, like an adult. So, uh, nice. <laughs> so I'm going to be at uh, TeresaGiacino.com finally. Um, it's and that's going to be launching on Thursday along with the podcast. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Teresa Giacino. And uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Teresa Giacino Experience. That's awesome. I have a is, new podcast to listen to. Is that <laughs> going to be a weekly show, Teresa? Uh, yeah. As I said in my, uh, my promo that I put out uh, today, um, it's every Thursday until I get sick of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, ideally it will be weekly. We'll see how that goes. 
Wonderful. Very cool. Well, and you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And uh, I recently just posted a a 37-minute video about Dragon Con. So if you've got some time, I, I I make it worth it. Yeah. Uh, so, wow. so, um, so, no, yeah. I saw that you were there. You seemed really busy over there at Dragon Con. Yes, did a lot of stuff, saw a lot of people. Um, so, if you're interested in uh, seeing what Dragon Con is like, check that video out. And you also met Michael Bailey, which made me so jealous. Oh, you met Mike. <laughs> nice. Yes, I got to uh, go to his uh, 75th anniversary characters of DC panel. And I actually ran into him um, at a Pee Wee's Big Adventure panel. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm not really surprised that we're both here for this. So um, that's amazing. So, so it's it's cool to not only you know uh, connect with him with comic stuff, but also with you know awesome movies like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So it was really fun to hang out with Michael. Is he a nice guy, Rebecca? Oh, the best. Michael yeah. Bailey is the coolest. He seems like the coolest guy when I listen to his shows. I'm a big fan of Tales of the JSA and. And uh, Bailey's Batman podcast. So, and of course, nice. from and of course, from crisis to crisis. Yep, yep. So, totally. Yeah. He does some pretty awesome stuff. He's good people. Yes, he is. We're making our podcast circles even smaller and smaller, and we're just getting <laughs> to know everybody. Until next time, uh, I'm still Teresa Jacino. And I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And as Alora tells Kara, be wise, be strong, and always be true to yourself. <laughs>